Michigan Soccer Central. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes state of Michigan. How's it going? My name's Robert Kerr, your host of the program here. MLS Cup wrapped up over the weekend, concluding the American professional calendar. Kudos to the Columbus crew, my good friend Luke Zagorski, was there and a very happy man. He supports them, so tip of the hat and congrats to the crew. Uh, Here locally, Detroit City FC looking to the future, the next chapter, the 2024 season. As today, Nate Steinwasher, goalkeeper extraordinaire, was uh, extended, excuse me, extended and signed a new two-year contract last week brand new head coach danny dicchio was unveiled at an event at the city field house myself and many others got a chance to uh participate in q a and then uh he hung around for quite some time and had conversations with everyone who uh wanted to chat with him he's very generous with his time and hopefully get him onto the program in the coming uh weeks and uh We'll see what uh, lies in wait for uh, La Rouge as an exciting new chapter opens up. It was the funniest moment of the evening was probably when um, one of City's most uh, ardent fans uh, asked the coach right in front of Trevor James if we're going to if the team was going to score more goals because he was desperate for more, uh, much the chagrin of Trevor James, but it was a funny moment. And Danny Dicchio, uh, the new coach, uh, made light with uh, a reference to signing Cristiano Ronaldo in the offseason. We'd, we'd see how that would go over uh, from the Northern Guard, but uh, exciting times. Uh, the, the front office for LaRouge is expanding. Trevor James turning into uh, more of a general manager role with Danny Dicchio coming from an assistant job with uh, Sacramento Republic and a, and a storied playing career of his own. So exciting times ahead there. But on this week's episode, we are going to have a bit of a feature on the college world and a team that uh, probably the best, the best top two collegiate soccer stories in the state Michigan State Spartan women's team just won back-to-back Big Ten titles after never having won one in the past. Head coach Jeff Hosler's on the program. He has gotten the Spartans to um, heights never before seen, back-to-back Big Ten titles, and a sweet 16 appearance. So please enjoy my interview with Coach Jeff Hosler here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. We have the pleasure to be joined by the Michigan State Spartans uh, women's soccer head coach who just returned home from making program history, making their first sweet 16 birth in program history after winning back-to-back Big Ten championships. Thank you so much for joining me, uh, head coach of the Michigan State Spartans women's soccer team, uh, Jeff Hosler. Welcome to the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, sir. Robert, thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to be here and talk about, about our season, our program, and have you all get to know Michigan State women's soccer a little bit better. 
Yeah, so I think the nation is getting to know uh, Michigan <laughs> State Spartan soccer a little bit more. Uh, like I said in the intro, back to back Big Ten championships, and I believe the program hadn't had uh, any of those before. Um, I guess before we get into the most recent, what have you done to bring this new wave of success to uh, East Lansing? Yeah, no, been thrilled with the the success. I mean, the credit goes to the players, our support staff. Uh, you know, they work very tire, tirelessly to, to help put our players in positions to be successful. Um, and we got a great group here. We've been very fortunate uh, to step into a situation with players that were hungry to learn uh, in year one. I mean, I've talked about this a lot when people ask questions about, you know, the Big Ten championship or going back to back Big Ten champs. Uh, is that a lot of credit goes to that first team we had in 2021. Uh, that we, you know, came in together with or or I got to work with for the first time. And they really gave me an open-minded approach. They had open hearts, open minds uh, to doing a lot of things differently uh, the way that we we believed in. Uh, they bought into it. Uh, that helped us have some immediate success in year one. And that momentum that was generated really catapulted us into what we were able to do in year two. So uh, at this level, know the coaching changes happen uh the and then the carousel starts to swing with job to job um you know in my 3 years here there's been over 20 uh power 5 head coaching jobs uh that have been opened or filled so it happens a lot and and you know if you can get off to a quick start in year 1 that generates real momentum because look in in recruiting uh you can talk about a vision and that's super important but at the end, it's what you can fall back on and, and show that you've been proven to be able to do. And when you get off to a quick start in year one, that really elevates and helps things in year two. So that, that immediate success, getting a lot of wins on the recruiting front, it kind of like every win and every step of success kind of has echoes, uh, you know, across the landscape. I think so. Uh, we want to keep making bigger, bigger echoes or bigger waves. I think, as you said earlier, you know, it's, um, something that, that we really believe here, you know, the success we've had in the big 10 uh, now two years in a row, made the NCAA tournament, making a sweet 16 uh, this season, you know, we want to continue that momentum and keep taking steps and strides. Um, you know, those are, those are measurables that matter in recruiting. It's measurables that matter to club coaches, um, you know, to our peers uh, in other college programs. And so, you know, I think this is a, a program. I think this is a place here at Michigan State that can continue to have national success in addition to what we've been able to do in the Big Ten Conference. Um, because, you know, Michigan State's a special place with special people. And, and I think when you have that combination, uh, you know, you have opportunities to really do big things. In addition to obviously the great play, you guys have a great look. The the the, the kits that the uh, the Spartan soccer uh, provides are, are, are excellent. So looking good on the national stage as well. Um, I just watched that uh, that video piece on the uh, the Spartans website, the all access that kind of detailed uh, your run in the postseason. It seemed like uh, an emotional end. It seemed like everyone was very happy about the accomplishment. Obviously, you know, only one team wins on, on the last day of the season. Um, kind of after coming home, uh, just a couple, maybe a week or two separated from the end of the run. Um kind of uh, what what's the feeling now and and uh how do you uh i guess bounce back or or um how do you process that uh, emotional roller coaster that was the postseason yeah it's a good question you know i mean we just met as a team yesterday uh but first to talk about like i mean anytime the season ends it's emotional you know and you've got players that just played their last college game some of those kids will go on to be pros the majority of them 
you know, played their last meaningful competitive uh, soccer match. And so it's the end of a really special group. Um, you know, that group won't take the field together and they did a lot of great things. Um, you know, I think a lot of those tiers in all honesty, though, when, when we reflect and we've been able to do that now uh, over the last couple of weeks or, you know, tears of joy because of what they're able to accomplish. You know, we got knocked out by an incredible BYU, BYU team in front of almost 5,000 fans, a sold out crowd. Um, and, and I think really found our footing in that game and showed that was the only game in that round, that round of sweet 16, uh, that was played on that Thursday or on that Saturday, everyone else played on Sunday. So literally the whole country was tuning in, uh, to see two great teams go at it. And, uh, so I just have a lot of pride in our group, uh, super proud of them. I think, uh, when we reflect and we've done that through our individual meetings and team meetings, you know, that people feel really content and good about the season they put together, uh, but this returning group's not satisfied. And that's really your your question here is, is how do you now move forward? And um, we're excited about the group we have. Uh, you know, we br- bring back a lot of core players. We graduate two players from our starting uh, 11, uh, but bring a lot of experience back, a lot of starters back. Uh, we've already been heavy in the transfer portal to add some, some big time players uh, in addition to what will be our best complete recruiting class um in a long long time uh, i think over 20 years in terms of it being ranked so um you're looking at a, a top 10 top 11 uh, recruiting class in the country coming in this fall so a really good collective group um excited to infuse that with some more co- uh, competition within the depth chart on uh, our different positions and and a group that's hungry you know we met yesterday as a team and a lot of the conversations and, and comments made by players in front of the group of that just like we've done each year we want to be able to take it a step further. Um, can we have, you know, our non-conference schedule will be the most competitive it's ever been. We open at Notre Dame, uh, which will likely be a top 10 matchup. Our second game of the year is home to Arkansas, which will likely be a top 10 matchup. Uh, we play Xavier, uh, who won the Big East Conference. So we're, we've got a loaded non-conference schedule, and we got to perform a little bit better there uh, to help protect our seating at the end of the season. And uh, the Big Ten Conference, as you know, when you add in Oregon and Washington and then two soccer powerhouses in USC and UCLA, the competitive value of our conference just continues to go up. So that's a really long-winded answer for you there, uh, but there's a lot of things to, to address in it all, and we're super excited for the challenge. That's one thing you always get from from our program is uh, you know willing to step up to these challenges, play the best uh, schedule that we can, um, and go out and compete and show our best. Uh, to clarify, so those teams from uh, the the West Coast are going to join Big Ten play in twenty twenty four. Yeah, they're here in the fall, and so you'll need that uh, that that best ever recruiting class uh, for for that regular season competition. I mean, it'll definitely help. Definitely help. I mean, you know, there's no question. The more accumulation of talent you have, the best, the more creativity you can have in your lineups, and the more competitive training is, and all that. So it's a super exciting time. So that incoming class or potential incoming class 2024, where does that uh, um, kind of, uh, where does the geography compare to the the team from 2021? Is it more or less regional or, or national? Uh, how do those compare at, at, at that level? Yeah, I, I think as we've, you know, um, continue to have a little more success here in these recent years, uh, you know, the brand, everyone knows about Michigan State University. Everyone knows about the athletic department. And now we've been able to put, women's soccer specifically on the map. So uh, I think our reach is much greater, both, uh, you know, nationally and internationally. Uh, we've gone into Canada quite a bit uh, here with this this freshman class that's here now. Um, 
with what we have coming in the future, actually with 2025. So, you know, we have players from all over the country. Um, there's still obviously going to be a focus on, on Michigan because the state of Michigan is producing a lot of really great talent, both at our level and in all levels combined um, with some great coaches. I think, you know, we're really spoiled here in Michigan and people need to realize how fortunate we are to have the clubs that we do, uh, the high level of coaches we have working with our young players um, because we're finding so many of them both here. And look, you're talking to a coach that that's coached now Michigan state, but coached at grand Valley state in division two coached at Alma college in division three coach in high school at East Lansing high school uh, and, and coached in club. And I've seen it, you know, throughout my whole career of 20 years plus coaching, how elite, the state of Michigan uh, is in regards to its youth soccer program. So um, thrilled about where we are with this class, some Michigan kids in it, uh, quite a few through the Midwest, uh, but also some kids across the country. You referenced um, your previous stop at Grand Valley. You spent uh, well half a dozen plus years there. Um, what have you brought from there? And then what have you had to adjust, if anything, your approach um with the group uh, at state. Yeah. I mean, really brought in the same philosophy, you know, striving to be your best every day, um, giving your best effort, trying to be there mentally uh, emotion and emotionally first so that you can then have your physical output necessary to have a great session, a great film, uh, film meeting, um, a great scout. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate. I stepped into a situation at grand Valley, you know, where Dave Diani uh, really built that program into a national power. He'd won three national championships. Um, I was able to step in and not screw it up too much, fortunately. You know, so um, what I learned a lot was being able to coach under a lot of pressure because uh, you lose a game uh, when you're you're the best program in the country. Everyone kind of shakes their head, looks at you, and wonders how you lost a game. You know, how could that be possible? Um, I could tell you about every single moment and every every part of those twelve losses that I had during my seven years at Grand Valley because. Those are the things that really stick out and you want to fix. Um, but I really learned the appreciation for being able to coach under pressure, having our players prepared by focusing on the right things uh, so that pressure wouldn't get to uh, them and their performance and how detail-oriented you had to be to ensure you'd set yourself up for that success uh, because you're gonna you're truly going to get everyone's best shot because they, they beat you in a regular season game, they knock you out in the national tournament. That's something they're going to use as fuel and be able to use in recruiting consistently. And so, you know, we really made a goal to make sure we were out. We were never out prepared by our opponent or tried to be um, to put our players in a position to succeed. And that same idea we've tried to bring here to Michigan State and have it translate. When you say uh, being detail oriented, uh, I guess, what do you mean by that? Is, is that in your process or what the players know? Or what do you mean by detail oriented in your approach? Yeah. So I think, you know, that's I can give you a long answer to this, but it's, um, you know, there's no question like you have to have a certain talent level you have to have a certain level of athleticism etc on your roster but you also have the players that are super disciplined and if you're not disciplined you know, discipline is what you do all the time it's not what you do some of the times and so to be detail oriented you got to be able to come to practice i mean these kids have a lot in their plate school's hard they're away from home there's pressures from home there's pressures maybe from their youth coaches to perform uh and then probably the biggest pressure of all is the pressure they put on themselves to go out and perform and so we talk all the time about the more prepared you are, the less pressure you're going to feel because you, you've been there. You feel like you've already been in those moments. You just have to now go execute. And so we talk about being detail oriented, you know, as a coaching staff, 
you know, we got to know exactly what our themes are for the training session going into that day, what our themes should be for that week. We also have to know how those things transition or are specific to our opponent to make sure that we have the best, um, you know, training guidelines to be ready for that. So we really try to demonstrate by example, you know, we get our our training, training session out to our players ahead of time. So they know what we're doing. Uh, they can run through it in their head a bit. They know what the points are we're trying to emphasize so that they can start doing the mental piece. Um, they can try to work through anything they're they're dealing with that day to be there and present emotionally. And then it's just a matter of going out to execute physically what you need to do in the session. So um, that's just one of many examples I could probably give you. But, uh, you know, trying to, to continually teach them. I mean, these are all habits that are going to transition for all these, these, these players as they go through all aspects of their life. You know, when you are focused on your nutrition and your sleep, your hydration, um, when you're focused on doing your workouts properly, um, when you're focused on understanding how to have routine, um, you know, we're big routine people here at Michigan State and have always been everywhere I, I, I've, I've coached at, is the more routine their schedule is, the more um, comfortable they're going to feel in it, the more prepared they're going to be, and the better output they can have. There's never a question, where am I supposed to be or what am I doing? No, no, there's none of that. No. They know exactly where, 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 where things are. Um, and I think above that too, like, you know, we've always had very much a family atmosphere Our players know they can come find us if they need something on a personal level, they need something they want to talk about from a soccer sense that, you know, coaches are here. We can't ask our kids to work really hard and then not have a hardworking staff that's always available for them. So, uh, I think that's another component that's really, really helped our program elevate very quickly and, and sustain it. Yeah, definitely uh, an important aspect of it all too. And and if you're trying to build, you got to be able to sustain to build, right? That's the uh, I imagine that's kind of like the the baseline there to 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 push forward from where you were. But to kind of uh, focus on this team that you know just won Big Ten championship the second uh, in a row. Um, where was so coming off of the first uh, Big Ten championship coming into this year? Uh, one of my favorite things uh, about, a, you know, just team and the sport in general is seeing how a team progresses and grows. Uh, what were the strengths of the team, um, you know, in that final run where you had the great what five game unbeaten at the end of the season? Um, where was that team's strength compared to at the beginning of the year coming in? Yeah, so, you know, our 2022 um, team graduated uh, some incredible players. You know, we lost six starters uh, from that team. Uh, two of them were drafted by the Port and Thorns in the NWSL. Uh, Ruby Diodati, uh is a professional in Europe um, and some other elite players, you know, not just as part of that six that was in our starting lineup, but even our first three players off the bench, uh, generally speaking, were seniors. So we lost, you know, nine effective uh, of our core group of that team of 2022 that were all many fifth year players that had a wealth of experience. They had been five-year starters or five-year high performers uh, here or in other programs before coming here. Um, and this year's group, you know, was a collection of new players again. Uh, you know, we've returned those five starters, uh, but of our roster of 31, we had 16 new bodies, uh, 16 new players here. So we had a lot of integrating we needed to do uh, with this group. Um, you know, I still think as we integrate them, we did pretty well through many of our non-conference, uh, even in early as conference play, but didn't really fully hit our rhythm. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, you know, the unbeaten streak, we didn't drop any points uh, during the regular season in October. Um, that was a key stretch for us, obviously, as we continue to chase the championship. 
Um, and really things started to click. We, we had a better idea of our personnel. You know, I had players like Emerson Sargent, who in August started some games at left back. Uh, in September, started some games at the midfield position, uh, even played a game at center back before we realized that her best position for this group was to play as a forward, as an out-and-out nine. So um, once we kind of figured out all the pieces, that's when we people started getting more comfortable because so many of those early season games, you know, like a player tells her to turn and find Emmy, for example. Well, they're like, well, wait, what, what position is Emmy playing now? Is she on my right, on my left? Is she behind me? Is she forward of me? Um, and so they just had to find a rhythm. And, and once they did, uh, we found a rhythm with our substitution patterns. Players started stepping up. Some of our youngest players, Mimi Hallier, Renee Watson, Bella Najira had an incredible freshman year, all got fully acclimated to what we were doing. And I think that's when we started playing our best soccer. Yeah, you referenced uh, Bella Najera. She was your top scorer, I believe. Uh, and she's a freshman. Tell us more about her. Yeah, Bella had an incredible year. You know, Bella comes from the Chicago area. She played for Eclipse uh, in the ECNL, one of the top, top club, top youth programs in the country. Um, she won a national championship in that program, uh, and as someone that, that was always leaned on in her youth career to score big goals. And so it doesn't surprise me that she was able to step in and, and score a lot of goals for us, score in a lot of big moments. Uh, but it's always really impressive when a freshman's able to do that, uh, because the level's so high in this day and age too. I think it's underrated when a freshman can do what Bella was able to do, because this isn't her just playing against players that are you know, two, three, four years older. Some of these kids are five years older because of the COVID waiver. Um, you know, or you go out to BYU in that tournament game and you're playing against a whole slew of 25 and 26-year-olds um, for her to be able to stand out. So very technical player, smart kid, uh, works really hard. She's a soccer junkie, uh, plays the game on her own time a lot, watches the game a lot. Um, and you can see that in her play, the little nuances of finding half spaces and, and knowing where to be. And then, uh, you know, the quality of player she is in front of goal. She was our leading goal scorer as a freshman, as you noted. That's incredibly difficult to do. Um, and I'm going to challenge her to, to do that every year. I think that sounds like a good plan to me. That sounds like an excellent challenge. <laughs> and to clarify for those uh, listeners who may not know the uh, the collegiate calendar. So you say you had a huge amount of turnover and you will again, and you know, in the nature of collegiate sports, how long do you have that group to to find your freshman that that may be a starter? Like, how do you how long do you get there uh, to work with it with the team before uh, the season? Not much. Our you know our our sport is really really unique because we get really a we get a two and a half week window of preseason that the coaches get to work with our players before we play our first official match. Uh, we get two exhibitions during that time. Hmm. So I mean, there's programs. Um, you know, Damon, our men's coach in my time here, I mean, they've sometimes had a, an exhibition, you know, on their second day of of working with the team uh, because the timeline is so tight. So loose calendar, they're effectively here August 1st. Our first game is around August, you know, 17th, 18th, 19th. Um, so you don't get a whole lot of time to work with this group. Uh, and so you have to bank on and trust that they're going to come in into camp fit and ready to go uh, from the work they did in the summer. Um, and then you're, you're two weeks, two and a half weeks, right into your straight, you know, straight away into your first game. And if you don't make the postseason, I mean, it's only a three month season. So our calendars only, only field hockey has a shorter in-season calendar with the NCAA than, than women's or men's soccer. 
So it's a very brief season. You know, our off season is twice as long as our in season is. So not a whole lot of prep time. Do you ever dream about a change in the, uh, the calendar? Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion, you know, uh, the men's, uh, side of it in particular has been pushing for this year round model. Um, that was, was turned down, uh, you know, two years ago, but they're continuing to push for it moving forward. Uh, we have a couple different proposals out to allow extended relief on both the front end for better preparation, uh, to help reduce injuries in our sport, uh, in addition to an extension on the back end. So we're not so condensed and compact, always playing on a Thursday, Sunday throughout the course of the year. So I think the ideal scenario for us in women's soccer, the proposal would be to come back more like mid July, give us a full, you know, three and a half to four weeks of preseason. Um, and then give us a two week extension relief on the back end. So we still play the same amount of games, but we stretch that out over a little bit longer period. Uh, we just know the, the weather challenges that will come to exist if you're playing postseason games in Michigan in mid December. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly uh, some obstacles to navigate there and I'm, I'm fingers crossed for it because uh, I'm pro uh, quality. And I mean, if your players or your team improves that much in just a few months, imagine uh, what it could be if it's extended, but I want to put a little bit more shine on the accomplishments and the team uh, this, this year. Um, is there a moment or that you could necessarily like, you think that you're going to look back on and is the kind of like the cornerstone moment or the best moment that you're going to remember for this, for this year? I, I don't know, because I think our focus is so much just, you know, staying in it every day. Uh, I think my answer probably would be like our win at Wisconsin was a, a trademark win for us. Uh, it was the first time Michigan state had won at Wisconsin since 1999, uh, which, you know, you do something in the last decade. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. Um, to go out and do this year, uh, Wisconsin was a nationally ranked team. Uh, they, uh, were in the big 10 tournament final. They made an NCAA tournament run also. So an incredibly challenging, uh, opponent to do it on the road. Um, you know, like I said, with history going against you was probably the, the biggest moment of like this team really believing and realizing what we could do. Uh, the sec second one would probably be the win at Rutgers, which we've never done. That was our very first win at Rutgers. So, um, along with being now one of two schools, only Penn state and Michigan state have ever gone back to back big 10 regular season champs in the history of our sport. Uh, we have a little bit of history of those single matches that we won. Um, and when you can do those things on the road, you know, that, that gives you a lot more belief to be able to go on the road in postseason and, and go get those results. And despite falling at BYU in the, uh, you know, round of 16, I mean, I, there wasn't a moment this team didn't think they were going to win. Um, and I think to prepare that way, play that way, compete that way, uh, you know, gives us a lot of confidence moving forward. Is there a, uh, single goal? that you could pick out as uh your favorite or the uh the biggest uh uh let's just narrow it down your favorite of the year yeah i you know um i know jen klein's a, a guest of your show so but it's uh i i think our goal at michigan um you know sold out crowd you know i think i think that's a cool thing to you know to have both the michigan women's soccer program michigan state programs succeeding at a high level playing at a high level uh, again, going back to our youth players, being able to see that, uh, in person every year is really cool. You know, we had, we set our attendance record here at DeMartin stadium last year, 
when Michigan came into town on national TV on B- Big Ten Network. Uh, when we played at Michigan this year, that was a Saturday night game, and tickets were sold out the Monday prior. Um, so these are big ticket games now um, to be able to go on the road at, at Michigan and win. Uh, I think the goal we had um, where we had a great combination play, we had a wide service, and and Bella Najera was able to to dump to second a ball in and Jordan hit a volley. Um, it was either the first or second goal of the game. It was probably, probably one of the favorites for sure. Um, that was probably the, probably the, the, the most like complex goal we had um, and, and to do it on a big stage in a big moment. was probably my favorite one. I can imagine uh, there being a, a lot to that. And if it's a, you know, a real technical goal, but what it sounds like uh, um, it sounds like, so was that the biggest like emotional release for you too there? That was pretty big. I mean, the goal that we scored to take the lead against BYU in the Sweet 16 definitely was a, a big one. Um, I found myself actually jogging down the sideline, maybe sprinting. I'd consider it sprinting. My players would probably say it was jogging uh, based on the, the speed of it. Um, that was a pretty big one. Um, you know, I, yeah, that's probably the BYU one, the Michigan one, uh, probably two of the biggest ones uh, on the season in terms of having that emotional release. Pretty incredible stuff. You know, you're on a uh, a, a good run when uh, you hear so many, this is the first since then, or the first in a few decades. Uh, so congrats on that. Is there another um, milestone uh, that you're looking to knock over in 2024? Yeah, I mean, 2022, uh, I think was a year, you know, we had five top 25 wins uh, in 2022. Um, you know, the way our schedule is shaking out, we're going to have, Easily five top 25 games on our schedule. Um, as I mentioned, our non-conference before uh, we open at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I have a ton of respect for Nate and what they're doing in that program. Uh, would love to be able to go to, to South Bend and get a win uh, there. To have Arkansas, who's been, you know, uh, I think this is the first time in four years they haven't made the Sweet 16, but they've been the class of the SEC with, with I think, three in a row SEC championships um, to come into town. Uh, right after that, you know, we just have an incredible schedule in front of us um, that I think there's a lot of marquee matchups. So um, hoping to continue to grow our program and our sport, be on national TV a little bit more. I think these matchups help give us a chance at doing that. Uh, so I think really securing a better, better results against some of these top teams, you know, we've been right in the mix with them this year. Uh, now it's getting over and winning those games. Uh, that would be the big milestone thing I think we'd be pushing for next year in addition to building and doing the things we've been doing uh, these last two years. Well, uh, congratulations on the uh, success uh, this year. Uh, Michigan State Spartans back-to-back Big Ten champions and then uh, reaching higher heights in the NCAA tournament, the first uh, Sweet 16 berth in school history and big challenges ahead in 2024. Uh, Coach, Uh, Jeff Hosler, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for all you're doing. Thank you so much 
head coach Jeff Hosler, Michigan State Spartans women's soccer head coach. Um, he's found quite a lot of success here in a short span, back-to-back Big Ten titles, as well as a sweet 16 performance. Uh, great to speak with him, and congratulations to the Spartans. Thank you, listener, for tuning in once more. Thank you to the MSC core team. And thank you to the boys over at We Are Soccer, as you can find Michigan Soccer Central's content across social media at, at MI Soccer Central. But video now up on the We Are Soccer YouTube channel. So check us out there. And until next time, everybody, please enjoy your soccer.